Now, this morning we are going to introduce a new series called The Core, and it's going to be a three-part series. Um, we are going to be talking about calling, calling. So that's why it's called The Core. Now, let me just give a little bit of some statistics that is just going to help us to lay a foundation on what we are discussing this morning. And um, before I do that, I would really, really encourage you as well to come this evening to come and test drive our evening service that we are going to be launching in February next year. And uh, uh, Pastor Mulefe is ready. He even had a haircut yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was asking him, I said, are you ready? He says, yeah. Just even been to the barber shop to make sure I am focused. <laughs> but you see, what happened is wrong because I was just telling him that now I need to start uh, investing in a wig. You know, my hair stopped growing in front here. It grows on the side. So I wanted to get a wig so that I can also start looking like him. And then he goes and shaves. <laughs> On the side. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I'm going to get a wig as well so that I can, I can look like Jay-Z, you know? Amen. So let, let me give some stats. 87% uh, of Jesus' parables, did you know that? The parables of Jesus were about life in the marketplace. 87%. It's either he was talking about money, he was talking about work, he was talking about family. 87% of those parables were not what you can call spiritual stuff, like religious stuff. That tells you something. The 93% of all miracles that Jesus performed were not performed in a temple. They were performed either on a street, either in somebody's house, in the marketplace, or outside what we can call a religious environment. That should again tell you something then God chose 12 tribes. The tribes of Israel were 12. And 11 of them were called to the marketplace. Only one was called to the temple. What, is, what percentage is that? Those of you that know mathematics, if one out of 12 is called to the marketplace. What percentage is that? If it was 10 and one was called, I would have calculated very easily, you know? It was going to be 10%. But I think it could be maybe about 8%. You know, 8% of the people of God are called into the temple religious, spiritual things. And listen to this. 100% of Jesus' leaders, 
Not one except Paul who came afterwards. All the 12, not one of them was called out of a religious environment. All of them were either a tax collector, a fisherman, a farmer, or he called people out of the marketplace to be his leaders. So this, ladies and gentlemen, is very, very crucial for us to understand the importance of the marketplace when it comes to God. Many of us think God is a leader of a religious organization. And anything outside the religious organization, anything outside the religious stuff, we can't relate to God outside there. That is why I have never heard anyone call me and say, Yo, hey, you know what, Ken? Yesterday, the Holy Spirit moved in the boardroom. Have you ever heard about that? But many of us would tell me, man, we had a great service. The Holy Spirit moved today. But not many people would tell me, man, the Holy Spirit moved at a wedding. There was so much power of the Holy Spirit in that wedding. I can tell you that the Lord was there. You know, the reason is because we associate God with religious stuff, not with life. And it's a problem. Because when you associate God with religious stuff, God ceases to be the creator of everything. He becomes a religious God. He becomes like somebody who is just uh, ready to punish you or ready to look at how you are sinning or how... That is not what God is busy with. God is bigger. Actually, let me push it even further. God is bigger than the church. The church is a very small part of what God is busy with. And the problem is that many of us can't relate with God outside this churchy, kind of situation. Now, this morning, I'm going to lay a foundation for what we are going to talk about next week and the week after that. Now, when we say calling, when we talk about calling, many people, calling is synonymous with being either a pastor or a sangoma. When somebody says they've got a call, many times it's not me. I've been around for a little bit long now, you know. I know that when I say word calling, somebody's already seeing Vuma. <laughs> Vuma. And that is why when somebody just starts to get a bit sick, you know, like you're having funny dreams. When you start having funny dreams and you go home, they'll tell you you are called. 
And then when you ask the people, what is my calling? Most of the times it is related either to a religious thing going in your life or to some kind of medicine man kind of situation so that you can start to practice uh, sangomri. <laughs> you know? And you see, the problem is that calling is not for pastors, is not for sangomas. Calling is for everybody. All of us are called to something. The primary calling that we have as human beings is a calling to follow God. Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will make you. So the, the primary calling is to come to Christ first. When you come to Christ, then he calls you to something. He gives you an assignment. The only problem is that many people only associate the assignment with what they can do in church. Many people only feel that they are saving God when they are either ushering or doing some hospitality stuff at church or maybe singing in the, in the worship team. But the moment they leave that door and go to do what they do, they don't feel that they are saving God. Many people feel that the environment in which God is comfortable is a church environment. That is why when they go for a party, they forget about God. You, you, even when you are partying, you must be aware of the presence of God in the party. It will help you a lot. Because your parting is going to be tempered with some form of restraint because you are aware that God is not only at Twanis Central building. Even when you walk into your house, if when you get out of here this, this morning and you go into your car, God is present in that car. When you go into your office, God is present in that office. When you go into your house, God is present in your house. You think he didn't see what you did last night. <laughs> he was there. Very present. So, two things are very important. The first is what sort of work what sort of activity does God call people to? Is it only the spiritual, religious activities? The answer is no. What environment is God comfortable with? Is it only a church, a synagogue, a temple? No. God's environment is his world, is his universe. He is everywhere. The Bible says there is nowhere you can escape the presence of the Lord. If you go into the sea, he is there. If you go into the air, he is there. You know when you sit 40,000 feet there flying uh, in that beautiful Emirates plane, he is there. You know, a lot of people think that, hey, here we are on our own. 
like God will find you when we land. But here, what would God know about piloting a plane anyway? He just knows how to speak in tongues. And that is the God that many of us worship. My God is different. Men, I, I have a God that is the ruler, the king of the universe, and he understands everything. He's in every environment, and he is in every form of work. Obviously, there are certain jobs that we have given ourselves that God, is, does, that God doesn't call people to those kinds of jobs. But I can tell you that maybe 98% of everything that human beings do God calls them to that. Now, <clears throat> there are certain things that I want us to look at this morning that are going to set a foundation for us to understand what calling is. The first stop is whenever we are thinking about calling, we should never, ever think about the world being a dichotomy of secular and sacred. We should not have what is called the dualistic thinking where you think that something is spiritual and something is unspiritual or something is religious and something is not religious. You should think in terms of is it good or is it bad? Then you, 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 you are going to, to, uh, to, 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 to bridge that chasm because for you thinking, me, I don't think in terms of religious and non-religious. I think in terms of good and bad. That is why there are certain songs that I play that are not sung by a, a so-called religious person. But I know it's a good song. There's no cursing there. They're not encouraging very bad kind of living. And it gives me good vibes. And when I'm listening it to, with my wife, it makes my relationship with my wife better. It's a nice song. You see the difference? A lot of us, me when I just got saved, I burnt all the tapes. That time we used to have tapes of nice music. I really regret these days. I bent that music. I said, this is secular music. You, you know, secular music. How many of us here, before you went to school, you sat down. Maybe school is a little bit early, but when you went to university or college or maybe tertiary education when you were already born again, you walked into a classroom and then you made sure that every one of your teachers was born again. So if your teachers who were teaching you were not born again, what were they teaching you? They were teaching you good, good things because the world is not religious or non-religious. It's not secular or non-secular. The world is just the world and God created this world. And you never think in terms of secular and sacred because that thing is going to mess you up. To get clear about calling, we need to completely remove that chasm between secular and sacred. 
Stop looking at somebody like myself as if they are the ones that have a much more important job to God and a person who is an IT specialist doesn't. Don't look at a policeman or a policewoman that they have a lesser calling than a priest. It's a scam. It's a very, very big scam. And that's how the enemy has calmed us to push God away from the important things and just put him into a small space where we meet him once every Sunday and we are not doing a great job about it. Because most of the time, we don't actually even do what we are supposed to do on Sunday. We just spit on each other, get as loud as we can, and we think that we are busy with God. No. So it is very, very important that we have to understand there is no secular and there is no sacred. It's a human creation, not something that God created. God only created life. He didn't create that chasm, that, that, that dualistic way of thinking. We need to realize that this world <clears throat> belongs to God and so there is nothing that exists outside God. If a guy is a farmer, ladies and gentlemen, when he gets on that plane, I mean on that uh, tractor, he is saving God just as much as I am this morning. Psalm 24, 1-2 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established upon the rivers. What is the Lord's? The earth, not the church. The church is an agency to take this understanding of things to the rest of the world. The church wasn't meant to be the main thing that God is doing. No, the church is the agency. The church is an entity that God put together so that they can infuse this way of thinking into every sphere of society. The second stop is the environment. So the first stop is no secular, no sacred. The second stop is environment. What environment belongs to God? Because many people, only that environment which has a cross is the environment that belongs to God. A hospital? No. There are just too many sick people there. A school? Mm -mm. Too much drugs. How about ESCOM? Too much load shedding. God can't be there. But it's a scam, like I have said. Because you see, when you think that way, you remove God from these environments. That is why a person feels a little bit more righteous when they are in an environment like this. The same person. Not like I, I, want to, I want to look down on anyone here today. But many of us won't dress certain things that we dress 
outside the church. You know why? Look here. Dress how you dress here. We won't chase you. But I won't just allow you to sing in the worship team. It's, it's just a little bit, here it's just a little bit too much. <laughs> but you know, why are you afraid? It's because in your mind you think, God will see me. But he sees you in your house. He sees you in that pub. He sees you in that uh, sta stadium. He sees you in that uh, club. Yes. Actually, God goes into these clubs a lot. He's there. He sees. So if, 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 if you can't do something on social media, if you can't, sorry, if you can't do something in church, don't do it on social media. If you can't do something in church, don't do it anywhere. You know why? Because what you are telling us is that God has certain environments and certain environments are not his. So you remove God from certain environments. You know? Obviously, there, there, there is a context to, uh, to what I am saying. Me, when I am the two of us with my wife, she can dress whatever she wants. Eh. You know? It's not a problem. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so it, it, she's my wife, and it's a context. You see what I mean? Mm. But she can't do the, exactly the same thing in a stadium. When we go to a stadium, she puts on nice jeans and nice stilettos and a nice t-shirt, and then we go and have a great time. So the second stop is environment. Now, let me read Exodus chapter 34, 35, verse 30. It says, then Moses said to the people of Israel, see, the Lord has called. The Lord has done what? I want you to look to the left and say to somebody, the Lord has called. And look to the right now. Did I say the left the first time? <laughs> look to the right and tell somebody, the Lord has called. Who has called, ladies and gentlemen? The Lord. Not that somebody has called themselves. And what did he call them to? The Bible says the Lord has called by name Bezaliel, the son of Uri. Son of her of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with his spirit of God and with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, not to preach sermons. To work in gold, not to preach sermons. To work in silver and bronze, in cutting stones, for setting and in curving wood, for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of Ahisamash, of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill 
to do every sort of work done by an engraver. Now, this is what you need to do. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, the son of Ahimasat of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done in engineering, in IT, in the medical field, in transport, in farming, in all kinds of things. Why? Because people who are doing that kind of work also need the Holy Spirit just like a pastor, just like a prophet, just like a pastor. Everybody. That taxi driver, guys, if you are in a taxi driver who is anointed man, he will drive that taxi as an anointed man because he realizes that this is a calling. This, I am not just doing this because it's work, but this is a calling. This is a calling. You see, that's why, that's why you'd find that a guy called by God to be a CEO of a company. He thinks that his calling is here and his pastor who can't even multiply two by three <laughs> has a higher calling. What he is telling himself is that his God is lesser than the God of this guy who can't multiply two by three. It's a shame and it's a scam. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work. Not just some type of work. Every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine-tuned linen or by a weaver by any sort of workman or skilled designer. So if you're a banker and you are here, you need to realize from today when you walk into that bank that you are anointed. You are an anointed banker. You are not just a banker. That you have been called to count money. You, you, you have been called, you know, by God to pilot a plane. You know? You, you, you have been called. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15, the Bible says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. When God created man, he was clear about what he wanted man to do. There is, he didn't build him a temple he created an environment where he could go and work. He was supposed to take care of the garden and he was supposed to protect the garden. The environment where we save God is not restricted to a church. The environment where we save God is every environment where God has placed you. Saving God covers every spectrum of human life and every aspect of our existence is part of God's agenda. 
Every part of it. There is no part that is outside God's jurisdiction. That is why we need to connect our Sunday to our Monday, to our Tuesday, to our Wednesday, to our Thursday. Every single day is a day of the Lord. We need to feel the same way we feel in a coffee shop as we feel at Swanee Central. We need to feel the same way when you are a university lecturer and standing in front of those university students. The same way that I feel when I stand in the pulpit in front of people. You need to understand that. Every environment is God's environment. Every one of them. Every one of them is God's environment. You don't need to remove God from any type of environment. And you don't need to restrict calling only to those, you know, uh, things that have to do with religiosity. The third stop. The third stop is service is worship. You need to understand that. We need to know that in God's sight, saving our fellow human beings is a form of worship to God. Saving the universe, saving the planet, saving the earth is part of saving God. When, 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 when you are a mechanic, you are an engineer building a bridge for people to cross a river Without drowning, you are saving God. You are saving God. When you go out there and you are in that hospital and somebody is coming and they are sick and then you administer your knowledge to them and you remove that tumor from the breast and the pain is gone and you save a life, it's just the same as what we have just been doing here, raising our hands to the Lord and saying, you are a great God. You know, service is worship. The only way that we save God is when we save other human beings. And that is why when God created us, next week, I am going to show you why you know, maybe I should say something about it. <laughs> have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered why God created human beings differently? Don't you think that he could have just created us like cows looking the same? But ladies and gentlemen, you find people that have funny noses. People that have, even in the same family, you find that the other guy's ears are like going backwards. But the other guy's ears are like this. And you look at, uh, in the same family, you would find that the other guy has small eyes. But the other guy, you know, like big eyes. 
It, you, do you know why? It, it's, 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 not, it's not because God didn't know what was going on. The reason he did that, we will talk about it next week. You see, service, saving another human being is worship to God. And that is why saving another human being is symbolized by, you remember what Jesus did? He washed people's feet. Now, in our time, in our time, we probably may not have to wash each other's feet. The, the reason why they, Jesus washed the people's feet is, is, is humility and everything. Here is what I want you to do. When you find someone who is walking, especially guys or girls when they are wearing sneakers, and this, the laces of their shoe is untied. Stop them and stoop down and tie it. That is the symbol of service. To stoop down so that you can help the other person go up. That is what it is. Now, that is the posture. That is the posture of service. So even if they pay you at your work, what it is is that the moment somebody walks into your business and you save them, by saving them, you are worshiping God. Why? Because you are doing something that is going to help them. They could do what you are doing for them on their own. So service is worship to God. And that is why whatever service God has called you to, he has called you to a worship service. So I know that uh, most of the times we call a church service a worship service. We have worship services every single day across the city. Some people are worshiping at the airport in a restaurant. Some people are worshiping God, you know, at uh, Transnet. Others are worshiping God at uh, Netcare Hospital and all these places. Why am I saying that? The word, the word for worship and the word for work and the word for service is not a different word in the Bible. It's the word avoda. The word avoda in the Bible means Work, it means service, it means worship. I've just extracted a few scriptures from the Bible to show us that. The first one in the book of, is, the, is the one in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. The Bible says, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to avoid it. To work it, to avoid it. And to work it. You see that? There it is showing us that man was put in the garden to do what? To work the garden. The word translated there is the same word avoda. 
So God took the man into the garden to Aboda. The second scripture is in Exodus chapter 35, 1 to 2. It says, Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days you shall avoid her. So again, you can see that that is work. But you know what? Look at Exodus chapter 8 verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh and say to him, thus saith the Lord, let my people go so that they may go and save me. Other translations don't use the word save there. Other translations say, let my people go so that they can go and worship me. The word there is Aboda. Saving God is not just, you know, coming to church. You know when you have a, a company that sells clothes and you make people clothes, I will tell you that every time that machine is going, that is probably one of the most beautiful songs to God. That same machine, you know, if you work in a chigayo, you know what a chigayo is? You know a chigayo, you know, like you grind maize. That sound, the whole day, that is a good sound to the Lord. But a person can come out of a chigayo, worshiping God with the sound of a chigayo, and go in their car, and put Kirk Franklin's song, only when Kirk Franklin starts singing, that is the only time they are aware that now I'm worshiping God. And they spent 15 hours just doing that. Worship. Worship. Service. And work is the same thing. To God, there is no compartment. It's not like now you move from one space of worshipping into another space of worshipping as long as you are serving. You see, what, what is a very, very big uh, and sad story when you understand this thing, for me, is uh, when a guy calls me or a girl calls me and says to me, Pastor Ken, yo, I have been busy. So, I am missing worship services. So, I ask, so what have you been busy with? I've been busy with work. So, in my mind, but I don't do that because obviously people don't know. In my mind, I'm like, yo, you probably have been worshiping more than me. You know, because the time that that person has been on the road saving other people, the time they have been doing all kinds of things, they have been in a worship service. You know, our life is a voda. Our life is a service to God. If you are using your life correctly, every single thing that you are doing is worship to God. 
Life is not a religious experience. Life is life and it has to be experienced as a service to God in its totality. That is why the Bible says that our lives are a sacrifice. Our lives are a sacrifice to God. You know, we, we, everything that we do, you know, you, you, you know, a person, a person is about to commit suicide. And they are so discouraged and things are not going well. And then somehow you pick up the phone and then you call them and then you speak to them. And as you have been speaking to them, they start to regain the love for life. And then they just think, ah, you know what? There's no need for me to commit suicide. You know what you have done? You have saved another human being. And you have just been in one of the most powerful worship services. So, you need to understand that. Life, like I have said earlier, should not be divided into secular and sacred. You should not divide life into religious and non-religious stuff. You should not look at life from that lens. You should look at life from, is it something good or is it something evil? What I am about to do, is it something good or is it something evil? Is it something that is going to save another human being or is it something that is going to cause another human being pain? If it's going to save another human being, I can tell you, you are saving. So the big question is this, as we are going to close. Then what is calling? What is calling? Calling is our commission to save in a particular aspect of human life. And let me tell you something. It's got nothing to do with only saving in church. You see, a lot of people think that God loves them more when they work with an understanding that when I get paid, I will pay tithe. You are missing out. You must work knowing that work in itself is important to God. Work in itself is important to God. When he asks you to do something, that thing that he asks you to do, whether you will tithe out of it or you want, that what you're doing is very, very important to God. God calls us to save in every aspect of human life, every aspect of human experience, and that is why Every calling is sacred. Now, that is very difficult to understand because of what religion has taught us. Why, and I have put that in, in the book, in my, one of my books, uh, uh, God is not religious, what I am going to say to you. Why is every calling sacred? The calling does not become sacred because of what you do. Being a pastor is not sacred because of what I do. 
Being an engineer is not sacred because of being an engineer. A calling is sacred because of who called you. When God calls you to do something because it is God that has called you, what he has called you becomes sacred. Not the thing that you are doing. That is why many of us only think that only pastors are called. Why? Because we only look at what people do, not at what people, what, who has called who. If God calls you to fly planes, that calling is as sacred as the calling of a pastor and of a priest. Not because of that thing, but because of the one who said, go and do one, two, three things. The one behind the calling makes the calling important, not what you are going to do. So, when you look at Israel, only one tribe in Israel was called to the temple. And out of that same tribe, only one family from the whole tribe, also only one family was called to be a tribe of high priests, the tribe of Aaron. So ladies and gentlemen, when you are looking at that, why do you think God can only call one tribe to the temple, one family to be in charge of the temple and everybody else? Do you think that all the 11 people were just doing what they want to do? All the 11 tribes were just doing what? No. The 11 were as called as Levi. Judah was just as called. Issachar was just as called. I don't know the other ones. So yeah, it tried to help me. But they were all just as called. Benjamin, you know, and the two boys for uh, Joseph, you know, Simon, whoever of the 12, they were all called. So it is very, very key that the one that says to you, go and be a nurse, don't respect nursing. Respect the one who said nursing. It will change the way that you do nursing. Because you are not going to do nursing because of nursing itself. You are going to do nursing as an honor to the one who says go. Amen. The one who says go. And I pray, I pray that people are going to understand that. Because then we are not going to have all these confused people that come to me all the time and says, but you know, I'm sensing a calling of God. I'm like, hmm. You are sensing a calling of God, you. What is he calling you to? Sangoma. You know? So it's, it's very, very important that you have to understand God calls all of us. What did I say? No sacred. And no secular. It's one life. Worship 
service and work all of them belong to God it's worship to God the other thing the other thing there is no environment where God is excluded every environment belongs to God do you mind if we can stand hallelujah so this morning as you go out of this place I want you to have this at the back of your mind if you're selling cars you are in mining you are in medical you are university professor whatever you do remember that that is a calling you are not just doing it but you are saving other human beings so do it well do it well because God is going to hold you accountable for that you know you know um, this this bottle is a bottle is a good bottle it doesn't become good when we put a cross on it this bottle is good in itself me when when I felt that I have to do to be a DJ when I was a little bit younger than I am today I didn't go to pitch at a Christian station I went to pitch at the secular station my producer had I don't know how many rings like in the nose and in the ears and I don't know but I used to walk in that space and I used to do what you can call a Christian program in that space why? Because that's, that's where God has called us. You know, that is where God has called us into the world, even if we are not of the world. There is no secular. We walk in there and we do what God wants us to do. And I pray, I want to come. The last Sunday of this, this uh, that Sunday, not next week, but that other Sunday, I am going to commission you to go out into your environments and you know you are going to do what God is calling you into those environments because that's where God is calling you so Father God I thank you so much for these your children this morning I give you praise and I give you glory and I give you honor because you are a good God thank you for what you are doing at Swanee Central I pray in Jesus name for each and every one of these your children that you will open their eyes you will open their minds you will open their hearts that they will know they will know beyond a shadow of doubt that they have been called to do what they are doing those that may be doubting help them to find their calling the place where you want them to serve so I thank you this morning I bless you this morning and I honor you this morning as I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Yes. Thank you.